Yo, 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 what up, what up, my people? It's your boy, Prime Evil, the IMC TV Weekend Review. Thanks for joining us. It's been a minute. We have not been around because of some, you know, you know how life get a hold of you, you know, sometimes, and you're not able to do anything else. But uh, we're back, and uh, this is week ending 18 of 2022. And uh, like I said, it's been a minute, you know what I mean? It's, that we have not done this, but we are back and uh, we're going to keep it consistent. Hope you guys have been um, following us on, on the, our radio station at radio.imctv.com. Uh, we're just going to head straight to the news that are actually making the rounds in Africa this weekend. And um, Cameroon signs Russian military deal. Uh, Cameroon has signed an agreement on April 12 with Russia for military cooperation. According to security forces, this agreement is part of the continuation of military ties between the two countries for several years, with the emphasis recently on the revision of the military deal signed in 2015. On the instructions of Cameroon's head of state Paul Bia and Russian President Vladimir Putin, Defense Minister Joseph Bertia Soma and his Russian counterpart, General Sergei Shogu, link, inked the documents that define this new military cooperation. Uh, in the 13-page document, the two countries agreed to exchange opinions and information on defense policies and international security, development of relations in the areas of joint training, medicine, topography, or military hydrography. They also agreed to exchange experiences and interaction in peace support operations under the aegis of the United Nations. Um, yeah, that's um, Cameroon, you know, just trying to big up their arsenal, I guess, with the hate of the Russian military, you know. But um, we'll go to other news and we'll speak on some of these things because the news that I'm bringing here right now, they're actually kind of linked. So let me just read the following headlines that are actually coming before I actually start to dissect and, anal and analyze, you know. So, but uh, France accuses Russian mercenaries of staging a massacre in Mali. Uh, footage is making a round of um, Russian mercenaries burying bodies in Mali. The footage, which was made available by the French military in northern Mali, appears to show Russian mercenaries burying bodies near the Gosi base. French military staff described the images as part of an effort by Russian mercenaries to make it look as if the French military left a, ma a massacre behind before handing over control of the Gosi base to the Malian army. Uh, the Gosi base was home to 300 French soldiers control was handed over to the Malian army last Tuesday. Uh, the first image is claiming that the French had committed atrocities were published this Thursday through social media. French military staff claimed that this is part of a concerted campaign of false information spread by social media and designed to create an hostile environment in the country. Uh, Malian authorities have not reacted to the accusations. Uh, France announced its departure from Mali last February and missed growing tensions with a military junta ruling the country. Uh, Paris accuses Bamako of employing the services of Russian mercenaries of the Wagner Group. Another news. 
in Africa again, West Africa. Um, Russian soldier killed in Mali. A Russian national an operation with Malian soldiers in central Mali has been killed, according to the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. It was the first confirmed death of a Russian in military operations in Mali since the ruling junta in Bamako called on what is described as instructors from Russia. According to a security source, a detachment composed of Malian soldiers and Russian instructors was attacked with an improvised explosive device near the town of Ombori on Tuesday morning. Uh, we confirmed that Russian soldiers died. The Russian soldier died on Tuesday as a re result of injuries sustained in Sevar. He was in his 30s. The vehicle carrying him and Malian soldiers hit a mine. A hospital source in the town told the press. Um, we have learned of the death of the Wagner agent who was fighting alongside the Malian army yesterday in the region of Mopti, said an elected Malian official in the center of the country, speaking on condition of anonymity for security reasons. The car that was carrying them blew up on a mine. People, people, uh, all of this news that I just read to you just now were actually in pretty much in West Africa, Mali and Cameroon precisely and um, these are actually crazy because I mean uh, France is accusing the Russian military or the, the Malian military of inviting mercenaries and how these mercenaries are actually you know bearing bodies and I mean you can check on the on our on our on our website later on and you can see the video that we are actually going to show off these soldiers actually burying bodies you know so this is crazy and um cameroon signing <laughs> deal with russia i know they say this is a deal that's been on ground you know for years but um <laughs> this is people you guys that know me that have been you know dealing with these shows you have to know that my views about all these kind of things. This was one of the reasons why I wanted to, you know, bring this news news up front because um, Africa, we need to really get our stuff together. You know what I'm saying? We still keep going backwards and we are not doing what we need to do. I understand we're trying to align with people that will help us, give us weapons, but I think it's high time that Africans start actually producing their own weaponry. We don't need to be depending on countries like Russia or the US or Israel, any other country for our own, you know what I'm saying, defense. You understand what I'm saying? Look at a country like Ukraine, for example, a country that a lot of people underestimated, you know what I mean? A lot of people did not think Ukraine was going to be able to sustain their fight against Russia. But lo and behold, they are actually, it seems like they're actually winning because Russia cannot even make any progress. You know what I'm saying? That's because of the undermining of Ukraine. You know, the, the capabilities of Ukraine was undermined. And that's what we're seeing right now. Like, people just disregarded Ukraine. But, I mean, yeah, with the help of the U.S. and other foreign countries, they're able to fight. But they, people that don't know Ukraine make weapons. You know what I'm saying? You, Ukraine make their own weapons. I mean, I know right now it, it's probably 
they are probably not able to that's why they're getting a lot of support from all of these foreign countries but Ukraine used to be one of those countries that had the highest numbers of nuclear weapons, you know what I'm saying, during its heydays as part of the USSR, you know, but um, they gave up most of those, as most people know, they gave up all their weapons, and that's why they actually have the big bad Putin attacking them today, because Putin did not think they were going to be able to defend themselves. But um, again, yeah, they having support from other countries. That's because of the situation. It's an emergency situation. The attack on them was actually, yeah, it was foreseen. It was actually seen a long time because people were already predicting that. But at the point that he actually took those actions, Putin, I'm talking about, people did not actually expect it. You know, but regardless, the Ukrainians, it seemed like they were prepared because they stood up and they are fighting for their country and everything like that. So I'm just coming back again that we Africans, we need to do our own thing. Because all this Russian, France and the US, all of them trying to drag space in Africa, to me, I don't see that as a positive development. You know what I'm saying? Because we are Africans and I think we should be able to create our own weapons. Even if we have to, swipe technology from somewhere and reverse engineer that mug you know what i'm saying then we do that but we have to be dependent we have to be dependent on ourselves we have to be independent truly independent continent you know what i'm saying because we cannot just have we cannot be subservient to anybody you know what i mean so with the time has come for africans to rise up and stop stop doing the leaders now I'm talking to do what is right for your people you know what I'm saying do what's right for your people and do what's going to actually give your country glory you understand what I'm saying not just thinking about your own pocket because thinking about your own pocket is not doing anything for anybody I mean we've seen it all these years you know what I'm saying the different African nations the corruption and then despotic leadership, you know what I'm saying? We've seen it all, you know what I'm saying? And it has not brought progress to the African people. Other news though, uh, minister jailed for alleged investment of uh, public funds in Niger. The Nigerian, in the Nigeria Republic I'm talking about right now, Minister of Communication, Mahamadou Zada has been jailed for its alleged involvement in a high profile embezzlement case. The amount involves 3 billion CFA francs, which is more than 4.5 million euros, when he was managing a public company, Society de Patrimoine de Mind du Niger, between 2013 and 2021, a judicial source told the press on Wednesday. This company manages the Nigerian state's holdings in mining companies operating in the country, including uranium. A judge of the Economic and Financial Division of Niamey, who questioned the Mohamedou Zada, uttered his incarceration in Kolo, a city located about 50 kilometers south of the capital, according to the source. Uh, the scandal exploded when the management of Tanadi, a local microfinance institution, wrote to Supami a year ago to say it had not found any trace in his books of uh, CFAF 3 billion deposit announced by Supami according to the Nigerian press. Uh, the state-owned company had already been implicated in a scandal linked to the international trade in uranium 
organized by the French group Areva na Orano over the sale in autumn 2011 of a large quantity of uranium for $320 million. President Bazoum, who has made the fight against corruption one of his main priorities, recently indicated that some 30 senior state officials guilty of embezzlement or misappropriation are currently in prison and will remain there for a long time. Uh, in 2020, a case of over-invoicing of purchases and not deliveries of military equipment amounting to 39.4 billion CFA francs, which is about 59.4 million euros, caused a lot of tension in EJ. It is not clear when the trial of the case will be held. See this? Uh, I mean, I'm glad that um, the country, the state, is actually doing the needful and um, locking this guy up because um. This is the problem where I was just talking about an African is facing, you know, when you have people that are just thinking about themselves, thinking about their, their, their pockets, not the overall good of the people. Now imagine money that was meant for procurement of, for, for arms and things like that are you supposed to help the country, you know, is being used, you know. For somebody else's pocket. I'm for sure this is not just the guy. This one guy is not the only one that, you know, this is just, he's probably just a scapegoat. But as, overall, I still think it's a good thing because somebody has to be paying for this atrocity that's been committed in Africa. Even in Nigeria, also the same thing. You have people stealing huge sums of money and not doing the needful to change the people's lives. We're having the same problem in Nigeria right now, where a whole bunch of money, billions, have been spent since 2015 on procurement of military hardware, and it has not made no impact in the fight against banditry terrorism in Nigeria. If anything, the problem has just actually increased. You know what I'm saying? People are not safe anymore. You know what I'm saying? You can't even travel from Abuja to the north, to Kaduna. You know what I'm saying? Traveling by a road right now is actually at your own risk in Nigeria right now. So we need to be patriotic Africans. You know what I'm saying? That's the problem. We are not patriotic enough. A lot of the people that are holding on to power or having the opportunity to govern us are not patriotic. They are no different from the colonial masters, if you ask me. You know what I'm saying? Because all those people wanted to do was to bleed Africa. And this is what our own people are doing. Our own leaders are doing the same thing. They are bleeding us. Other news, people. Uh, 2,000 Kenyan police <laughs> mentally unfit to serve. Inspector General of Police. <laughs> About 2,000 police officers in Kenya are mentally unfit to serve in the police service. Inspector General of Police Hillary Mutiambai. The IGP made this revelation on Tuesday during a meeting with bishops and senior clergy of the Anglican Church in Nairobi. According to him, the findings were established after medical examinations were conducted on police officers. We have subjected all the officers to medical examination and to our surprise, we got a big number. We isolated almost 2,000 police officers who are on feet to do their own law enforcement work, said Mucha 
Muchamba in a video by a local TV station NTV. Uh, the police IG, however, says a process to manage some of the mentally unstable officers has started. Uh, he highlighted the importance of having stable officers in the service, pointing out the high risk posed, especially when the officers are in custody of weapons. <laughs> to remove someone from work because of medical grounds is not easy. The government has its processes, he said. Our tool of work is the gun, and when one bullet is discharged, the implications are serious. Uh, the IG Inspector General of Police remarks came on the back of increased suicide and depression cases among law enforcers. <laughs> to me, this is a funny story, you know, because um, Africans sometimes we, we we actually it seems like we intentionally just provide comic relief because uh, we try to be reactive with situations instead of proactive, you know, because there shouldn't be no. There's no explanation of why you have 2,000 police officers in the Kenya police force that are mentally unstable. And I say this because if due diligence was done before police officers are hired, you won't have 2,000 police officers that are mentally unfit. You know, part of the conditions of service should be, you know what I'm saying, a mental test. You know, you, you, you to see if you are mentally fit, that should have been done before you even became part of the force. So this is a problem I'm talking about. We are not, we are being reactive, we are not being proactive, and this is not just in Kenya, this is happening in Nigeria too. You know, that's why I laugh, because Nigeria is going through the same exact thing. You know, Africans, we are all going through the same thing. The embezzlement, the insecurity, um, the reacting to situations instead of being proactive, all of these things. You know, we are not thinking outside the box. All of these things are causing problems for us as a people, as a continent. You know, we need to be more proactive with the way we do things. We cannot hire people based off of sentiments. You know what I mean? And I think that's what this is. You know, I'm mean, for sure this test was only probably done, like he just said, because of the suicide and maybe murders, depressions and all of that that were happening in, in the in the Kenya in the Kenya country with the police force and all of that. You know, so but we need to do the natural. That's why a lot of people, when I say a lot of people, all this Western who are old white people and all that, that's why they look down on Africans. Because they feel that we don't we don't think. You know, a lot of these things are very simple, you know. Seemed like Africa was actually doing better centuries ago, you know what I'm saying, before civilization even came because we were able to still maintain our kingdoms. You know what I'm saying? But now it seems like now that we have the utmost freedom and we have more capacity, it seems like it's just actually even crazy. It doesn't seem like we know what we are doing and stuff. But we have very intelligent people all over the world, you know? But we are not utilizing these assets. You know what I'm saying? We're not utilizing these assets that we have. And I think that's our biggest problem. So we need to rethink the way we are doing things. You know, as Africans, we need to rethink it. You know? Other news, though. Uh, South Africans tried to rebuild after 
deadly floods. Uh, communities affected by the devastating flood that killed at least 448 people in the eastern city of Durban in South Africa are trying to salvage whatever is left of their belongings as search and rescue operations continue to find missing persons. Sandele's two homes were ripped apart by the floods caused by rains last week. His family is still distraught after the incident. He said, my mother just completed rebuilding our home with the money she received after our father's passing. I don't think she will be able to rebuild the house in the standard she would have wanted. My mother is deeply hurt by what has happened. Lately, she can't even sit down. She keeps walking around. She's trying to piece things together, Sandile Seller said. Joint civilian military search teams are still recovering corpses from the debris more than a week after the disaster struck. So far, 400 soldiers were deployed out 10,000 out of the 10,000 promised. Uh, the survivors, on the other hand, are desperate for basic services to be restored. Several areas are still inaccessible, hampering the delivery of relief aid after bridges and roads crack under the weight of the worst floods to hit the country in living memory. Uh, the army is bringing in doctors, electricians, and specialist workers. Uh, the focus now will be on clearing roads to allow the movement of goods and transport. Um, our condolences and our heart goes out to the to the people of South Africa, you know, because um, this is a devastating time for them. You know what I'm saying? And um, it, it's it, it's crazy. You know what I mean? It's a lot of flooding issues that we are experiencing in, in not just in South Africa but many parts of the world you know so we actually our heart goes out to these people and um, for those people that want to assist you know there are many if you contact the South African consulates in whatever country that you were in or the South African Embassy, you should be able to get information on how to help. You know, it would be a good thing for people to try to help these people because um, some people lost their, their life, man. You know what I'm saying? Some people lost their life. And as a result of that, South Africa deployed soldiers into provinces following the deadly floods. You know, um, troops have been deployed to support rescue operations since massive floods hit South Africa more than a week ago. Uh, following up a declaration of a national state of disaster, President Cyril Ramaphosa dispatched top ministers to the city of Domban and KwaZulu-Natal province, where at least 448 people have now died and 40,000 are homeless. Uh, the country has declared a national state of disaster after record rains flooded swaths of KwaZulu-Natal and eastern Cape provinces. Uh, the Defense Force announced Monday that it was deploying 10,000 troops to help clear debris, rebuild fallen bridges, provide clean water, and reconnect severed power lines. But in Kwan Ndengezi on Wednesday, no help came as more than half a dozen men struggled to clear a mud-covered road. Uh, many local people say they remain deeply nervous, still scarred by the sight of road that became river and bore away lives, homes, and possessions. Again, our heart goes out to the people of South Africa. We are strongly standing by you. And again, for people that want to help, contact the South African Embassy in whatever country that you are living in and see how you can render help. 
Um, but um, the South African garbage, I mean, 400 troops out of 10,000, I don't think I don't think they're meeting their benchmark, but they need to get up on it. 40,000 people are homeless. So they definitely need those 10,000 troops on ground to help um, ease the situation for these people. You know what I mean? Because, um, again, this is, uh, this is a devastating time. You know what I'm saying? It's, a dev- it's definitely a devastating time. I mean, this is this is a thing that's actually all over the news this week. You know, it's, a, it's big news. You know what I mean? Definitely big news. And um, that's why we are actually bringing it to you. So we can be of assistance and know what our people, our brothers and sisters are going through in South Africa. Um, the African wildlife, the coast suffer effects of flooding and drought, you know. Um, marine and terrestrial wild species are facing the brunt of devastating floods in South Africa. Coupled with extreme weather events across the continent linked to climate change according to biodiversity experts. Africa has already faced several climate-related wars in the past year. The ongoing fatal floods following insistent cyclones in the south, extreme temperatures in western and northern ranges, and a debilitating drought that is currently afflicting <clears throat> eastern central and the horn of Africa. The recent disaster in South Africa only awakens conversation about climate change. Uh, conservation and wildlife groups say it's critical to protect species from this climate change-related um, weather events. According to the head of the Climate Change Division at Conservation International, climate change is disrupting ecosystems and affecting the survival and stability of species to live in their usual habitats. Uh, massive disruptions to ecological stability will occur if adequate adaptation and mitigation measures are not implemented. There's a need to incorporate climate proofing of our protected areas. That way we boost nature's ability for resilience. Yeah, it's just part of what I was saying again. Um, a lot is going on in Africa right now. Uh, and I don't think our leaders are actually up to the task because they don't have no plan. You know what I mean? Um, any leader without a plan, you're trying to do something, you, you, there's no way that you can implement because you have no plan. But um, we keep we keep working, we keep um, moving forward and doing fighting against those bad things that are bringing the African continent down, but bringing the African continent down. We will keep fighting against those things and strengthen Africa, okay? Other news though. The Yoruba nation has been torn into mourning following the demise of their laughing of Oyo or Balamidi Adeyemi, who was said to have died at the Afe Babalola Multi System Hospital in Adoekiti. Um, the monarch, who was 83 years old, had been ill before his demise. Uh, he joined his ancestors on Friday night, according to sources at the hospital, five days after he was admitted for the treatment of a chronic illness. The news of the top Yoruba king's demise reverberated across the country. Earlier, there was confusion over the veracity of the news, especially on social media following a statement by his media and publicity director, Bode Durojaye, dismissing the news. 
He had urged members of the public to disregard the unfounded report as the paramount, as the paramount ruler is, uh, is Hill and Hardy. However, the palace of the late king later issued a statement confirming his demise. Uh, a laugh in his death, details in due course, Doro Jaya later said in a test statement. Uh, the remains of the top Yoruba traditional ruler were taken to uh, your town in the early hours of yesterday for burial rites. His first son, Prince Tunde Adeyemi, and his siblings were said to have received the remains of the late monarch in your town. The funeral rites began at 11.55 a.m. amid a huge crowd of sympathizers who converted in a palace upon hearing the news. The chief imam of your state, Masood Ajokidero, led all the members of the state league of imams to the palace for the burial. Um, just want to say um, rest in peace to Oba Lamidi Adeyemi on his demise. This was actually unexpected and um, it's painful to the Yoruba people and to Nigerians at large who actually love and adore this guy. So we say rest in peace and uh, our heart goes out to the family, you know, and I hope the succession, a new monarch would be just as great as uh, he was, as loved as he was to his people, you know, that's our prayers. Um, other news, real reason for Aisha Buhari's dinner with presidential aspirants. First Lady Aisha Buhari afforded a real reason Saturday for inviting presidential aspirants to dinner at Assault Rock. It was to ring a concession for women. Uh, she urged political parties to always consider women as running mates to candidates contesting elections into various positions across the country. Aisha Buhari spoke on Saturday night when she hosted presidential aspirants from various political parties to a Ramadan iftar break, breaking of fast at the State House in Abuja. She organized the iftar dinner to provide opportunity for the aspirants to share love and happiness with one another in the spirit of Ramadan and in the quest for nation building. She said fair play for women in politics was to ensure their greater participation in elective positions. In fact, it is high time women are adopted as running mates at all levels, considering their voting strength and active involvement in political processes. As she said, as we approach the 2023 election with greater hope, I'm confident that Nigeria will continue to grow from strength to strength on the pedestal of our democratic tenets, she said. Uh, the First Lady enjoined the presidential office to remain focused on issues that strengthen the nation's unity, brotherhood, and national cohesion. Uh, Mrs. Buhari, however, reminded her guests that the 2050 election was a, was a wildest shared in the history of Nigeria. It was neither contested in the court of law nor in the court of public opinion. Therefore, the greatest end of tenure gift that fellow Nigerians can give to the first family is another free and globally acknowledged fair election come 2023, she appealed. <laughs> and let me just say the first thing. That was great that she's actually pushing for women to have elective positions as presidents, vice president, governors, whatever the case. Great. But uh, what she's saying, this last part, she's referring to the 2015 election as, as a watershed in the history of Nigeria. 
She needs to realize that the reason that was a watershed moment in the history of Nigeria is because President Jonathan was a big man, was big enough to know when to say, okay, this is it, game over. And he put the, the, the structures in place for that kind of moment to ha occur in Nigeria, you know? So she needs to talk to her husband, President Buhari, to do the same thing for Nigerians. Because it's not Nigerians that's going to give Nigeria a free and credible election. It's the government. You know what I'm saying? And her husband is the head of the government right now. So she needs to be telling him. Because everything that's going on in the country right now, we just don't understand. And your husband is at the helm of affairs. You know, because like I said, the only thing, the only positive I see on this is her take, you know, her fighting for women's rights. You know what I'm saying? But as far as you saying that Nigerians need to make sure there's a, or the contestants need to make sure that there's a free and fair election, that's not their job. That's not their responsibility. It's the responsibility of your husband to make sure there's a free and fair election in Nigeria come 2023. Other news, people. Uh, Russia invasion. Vladimir Putin warns U.S. against sending more arms to Ukraine. Uh, Russia on Monday won the U.S. against sending more arms to Ukraine. Uh, the country's ambassador to Washington warned that large Western deliveries of weapons were inflaming the conflict and will lead to more losses. Uh, Russia's February 24th invasion of Ukraine has killed thousands of people, displaced millions more, and raised fears of a wider confrontation between Russia and the U.S., by far the world's two biggest nuclear powers. Uh, the U.S. has ruled out sending its own or NATO forces to Ukraine, but Washington and its European allies have supplied weapons to Kiev, such as drones, howitzer, heavy artillery, anti-aircraft stinger, and anti-tank javelin missiles. Russia has, Ukraine has no intention to surrender Zelensky. You know, Anatoly and Antonov, Russians ambassador to the U.S said such harms deliveries were aimed at weakening Russia, but that they were escalating the conflict in Ukraine while undermining efforts to reach some sort of peace agreement. Uh, what the Americans are doing is pouring oil on the flames. <laughs> I mean, this this situation with Ukraine and Russia is it, it, deep, you know? I mean, there's different sides to it, but ultimately for me, Russia has no rights doing what they're doing in Ukraine. And I, I understand about interest and all of that. Oh, they were part of us years ago and all of that. They don't want NATO to be in their front door. I understand all of that. But attacking a sovereign nation just because you feel they want to be part of an organization you don't want them to be part of, which is not your choice in the first place. You know what I'm saying? To me, I think it's just mind-boggling, you know, and I'm surprised that this conflict has gone this long because people are dying, you know, children, women are being displaced, are being killed, you know, so for me, they need to actually find a peaceful resolution to this, but you cannot expect Russia, uh, the Ukrainians to just fold their hands and just allow you to kill them, you know, and the world will not just sit by and just you will kill them unprovoked like that. You know, it doesn't make any sense. So people need to shit their swords 
and um, get back to the negotiating table because that's the only way this crisis is going to end. We don't want it to escalate into a world war. You know, that we definitely don't want. But the only way this can be resolved is peaceful resolution. Because Russia cannot keep hammering Ukraine with bombs and expect the Ukrainians not to fight or ask for help from other countries around them. So that's just the situation, people. This is what's going on this weekend, you know, and our IMC TV weekend review. We are glad to be back on this and um, we're going to keep it consistent and come to you every weekend. And just watch out as our other shows come back. Come back on air. They're going to come back, okay? So, yeah, just sit back and relax and keep following us. Keep doing the things that you're doing and staying safe. Yo, people, this is your boy, Prime Evil, IMC TV Weekend Review. Week ending 18, 2022. Thank you all for joining us. Nothing but love from this side. Continue to do the thing. One love, people.